Bears 29, Giants 3. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We get one more game to end the season this, this upcoming Sunday, Justin. We're going to talk about this offensive disaster, a defensive performance that you'll forget about, but when you look at it, it's like they the other team scored 29 points on this. I guess 27 because we had a safety. And then a judge 12-minute press conference and essentially the last week of Gettleman for sure, and there's other stuff that that's going on. I mean, what? where's your mind right now after this game? Where's, where's my mind? It's on none of that. Uh, hi, Bobby Skinner. Um, there, I usually for entertainment purposes, like you know, we're this is this is a podcast, right? And the whole point of a podcast is for you to put it on for fifty minutes or an hour, and for you to be entertained and for you to enjoy it. And I usually, even when I may feel like I'm feeling right now, where it's just totally like I have no thoughts and my brain is nowhere watching this game, I usually try to put on a show and be like, all right, I'm still gonna try and search for things. Um, I am. Unguiltily, what's the word that I'm unselfishly saying that I have my brain is nowhere from this game and pretty much from well I got a lot of thoughts on this game the end of the third quarter on I barely watched the Giants game and I was watching the Jets almost beat the Buccaneers because that would have been huge but the Jets lost on a heartbreaking Tom Brady like really good throw Um, and uh, my heart was broken there too so how are you? I'm all right. Let's talk about this offense. How do you how do you divide the blame on the off on on this offense? You know, you got Mike Lennon, who's definitely bad. The offensive line is definitely bad. The wide receiver room is bad, and you know, Kenny Galladay is not like the all right, put the team on my back type of type of wide receiver. Anyways, you know, he's not a volume wide receiver. And uh, the running game was actually decent, you know, but not like carry you through a game de- uh, good. Um, where do you or, and, and then coaching? Where do you like put the most blame? And is there anything that's like a close second? Because it's hard to do. It's hard to divide blame when everything is so bad. I mean, quarterback is number one, and just not being able to throw the ball. But also, you know, you gotta have some kind of plan to get rid of the ball quick. To just have something that's easy. To have something that's simple. I mean, you know, the one positive thing that we've been able to say, or two positive things that we've been able to say about Freddie Kitchens is a little bit of aggression in terms of route concepts and yards after the catch. So, you know, it's not that difficult to scheme up yards after the catch and maybe get some pre-snap motion or motion at the snap going. And Freddie Kitchens likes calling those screens. You got to have some kind of plan to have some semblance of a passing game. So, I mean, it's, so it does come down to Mike Glennon is the worst quarterback in the National Football League. Um and then if you want to include Jake Fromm, then I think Jake Fromm is worse than Mike Lennon, believe it or not. Mike Lennon is the worst quarterback in the National Football League, but also you do, there needs to be something that's simple. Um, and then offensive line is is right, I would put that with the a close third to schematics and, and coaching, not having a play in second, while quarterback and, not have, and having bad quarterback play is like the clear cut number one. That's how I divvy it up. Glennon is a clear-cut one to me, but I'm I'm the most mad at like coaching in this game because I didn't expect much out of Glennon. But Glennon went four for 11, 24 yards, um, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, negative ten benched. total yards. When you when you include the four sacks, and the first play of the game, Justin, since I've been watching every single Giants game and rewatching it, was the worst single quarterback snap 
in the last three years that I've watched through Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, and Colt McCoy, and Mike Glennon, and oh, Jake Fromm, too. I forgot he's been in there. So I used to have an Eli Manning as just one QB my whole life. That, that was the worst snap I've ever seen. You have the first play of the game. You're dialed in, ready to go. First play of the game. You have five offensive linemen. They put five guys, hands in the dirt, and then a linebacker in the middle. You have a five versus six. Now, do they usually are going to come out with a cover zero blitz in the first play of the game? No. But if they give you that look, you have to be ready for it. You have to have a hot read. And that if and, and for the idea that there was a hot read on it, okay, it was a five-yard in with Kenny Galladay. You had, you had three other defenders playing 10 yards off the ball. The cornerback that was the closest to the wide receiver was Kenny Galladay. So you have him as the outside wide receiver on a cover zero, five v six. And you have him not even running a slant. A slant would have worked. A five yard in, a five yard indie route. And where he has to do the stutter step and break on it. It's not, it's not a, it's, you know, that's not a, a you want to be throwing the ball right out of the break type of route, you know? So you could have put Pharaoh Cooper on a slant on the inside. His guy's playing 10 yards off the ball. And or 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 just throwing it to him on the fade, it's just that was the worst play. And on top of that, it didn't. I don't think he realized that it was a five versus six, because he got lit up by the play side pass rusher. They slid it to the left. You have the right defensive end or the left defensive end just as a free rusher. You don't even brace for it. Like you see, okay, oh gosh, Galdez not getting out of this break. What good enough? I. You know, tuck that ball. He he looked like he had no clue that he had a free rusher. That was the worst single play of a quarterback. Because at least like other plays where it was a Jones interception or an Eli or whatever. It was like, okay, I understand this. I understood where this broke down. That was like, man, you've been in the league. You've been playing football and playing quarterback too much to make that type of simple mistake. Like rookie quarterbacks, Justin Fields got ate up alive for making a... a, a a play like that in the in the preseason you know like Mike Lennon you should not be making that mistake there's no excuse for it and then you fumble it they get the ball down to the two yard line and the game's essentially over I mean that was like in you know we go into every game like especially against the Bears like this could be a grinded out nine six game which it could have been if you don't have those Glennon turnovers and that was just the, the single worst play that I've seen in the last three years for a New York Giants quarterback Give me some stats. Minus 10 net passing yards uh, this game? I thought that was the worst of all time, but apparently StatMuse's website doesn't include total passing yards. It's just individual passing yards. So he had 24 total yards, negative 10. So I had a, I had a t- tweet that was going viral. I had over 2,000 likes in 30 minutes, and I had to freaking delete it because it the, the, most, the worst in the game total passing yards is negative 57. So the Giants were 24th, I believe. And worst passing games. Um, you know, and, and then on top of like, okay, Glennon got sacked four times. He had four fumbles. Four fumbles. Like, that's insane. Like, you can't, I, you know, we, we, we went from Daniel Jones worrying about his fumbles to like Mike Glennon, like, makes Daniel Jones look like, you know, the, the QB who holds on to the ball the most. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. You know, on, on, fi- on 15 dropbacks, he had four fumbles and two interceptions. That's just unbelievably bad quarterback play. And it's so frustrating because you look at Mike Glennon's whole career and he's not this bad. Like 90% of Giants fans thought Mike Glennon was a upgrade over Colt McCoy. Yeah, we, we, we did. And it's not like we're just looking at just like simply the arm talent. Like he has better stats than Colt McCoy, you know, career wise. 
Now, I do think Colt McCoy would be better in this offensive too because Colt McCoy would be quicker with his decision-making because there was times where Glenn is just sitting in the pocket and it's like, come yeah. on, dude, what are you doing? Like that's And nuts. so much of this offense is really – this is still Jason Garrett's offense. It's just, you know, Freddie Kitchens is doing different tendencies and – you know he's he's play call, he's he's play calling things differently. He's adding um, his own things though in there too. He, no, he point. he is. But my whole point is this: this is still this is still pretty much a, a timing centered offense where you know get the ball in your hands, get the ball out of your hands, and et cetera, et cetera. So, I f- I feel like it's been pretty different, especially when there's times where it's just like you have three deeper concepts that aren't necessarily work. I I I put this more on, uh, this on Kitchens than you know. Like yes, it's Garrett's playbook, yeah. but Kitchens has made it his own. Yeah, I, I will say on a on a like this is like a judge note. Um, seeing how non uncompetitive the team has been and like the the lack of the ability to adjust. Now, like I said, Glenn, you know we've Glennon and Fromm are bad. They are they are bad, and their numbers are they reflect on being nine the of worst, eleven starters are bad right now. The worst quarterbacks in the National Football League when when they do perform and when they're in there, but you know. I in an ideal world I want to give Judge that opportunity to see if he is going to be here to see what an offense can look like with which is handpicked by his own guy. But if if this is what the collaboration looks like, I mean that that makes me very worried. Does well, make they me did worried. Collaborate coaching wise. They wanted to run the ball a lot in this game, which is fine. I understand that. But you're when you do pass the ball, you gotta have something like it, it maybe some you're not gonna be the most efficient. But have some shot plays built in. They didn't take any, you know, no deep, no deep passes in a game where you ran the ball forty times. You know, they ran the ball well. You know, but this this game bothered me coaching wise because it's like, man, I get that Mike Lennon sucks. I get the O line sucks. I get the receivers suck. But I just feel like you could have had something better. And again, it's hard to it's hard to dis- distribute blame when you have four out of five, um, you know, components of the game on offense being bad. The offensive line, the receivers, the QB, and the coaching. The running game was all right, but again, it wasn't. It was they averaged four yards a pop. You know, that's yeah. not a that's not carry you and through this bad passing offense. Good. It is so game. crazy that who who was that center? Um, Skura, 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 Wes Martin at guard, Nate Solder at tackle. On an ideal NFL roster, those guys aren't even on your active roster. Matt Skur is a backup, and the other, yeah, like the other two aren't on the act. Like Wes Martin shouldn't be on the active roster. Nate Solder shouldn't be on the active roster. Um, coaching wise, it's just that's frustrating. And here's something that's bothering me. Like I get the idea of rotating linemen. It yes. made sense. It made sense with Matt Parrott last year. With Will Hernandez, it was like you know he's kind of better in pass pro right now. Now Will Hernandez has sucked this year. Give another sack. Um. I'd be interested to see if he has the most sacks allowed by guards. He has to be in like the top three to five. I could see if I can look that up and then add one from t- for today. Uh, it's but uh, what I I lost my my train of thought on that. What was uh, I talking ro- about? Rotating guards and the way that they did it today. And why coaching. are we rotating guards mid drive and for Derek Kelly, who's like you know been on the practice? It's why are we doing that? Why are we? It, that doesn't make any. sense I have to never me. heard of him in my life. Before heard, today, like I said, I heard of him yesterday because he was activated from the COVID list. But I, like, I didn't do any research. I was like, oh, he won't play unless someone gets hurt, and then it'll be some, you know somebody new to look at. I figured he was a tackle, honestly. PFF Maybe he's has older, still don't know him. Still PFF know has uh, Will Hernandez on the hook for six sacks this year, and there is a big tie: one, two, three, four, five, six player tie 
for third place in the National Football League. Alex Leatherwood has given up eight sacks, and then Jalen Mayfield, both rookies, I believe, have given up eight and ten sacks. And both those guys have played reps at tackle, so they got moved back in the guard, so it's not even fair comparison. And then add one more because Will Hernandez gave up a sack today. So then Will Hernandez with seven sacks would be in sole possession of third place and third most sacks. And this is just guards, by the way. This right, is just guards. Right. So it's like that rotate. I, I seriously think the rotate and the guards is the dumbest thing that uh, the dumbest coaching decision under Joe Judge so far. What like, is this like guy? To, what is this guy going to bring to the table that you're putting yeah. out there? Like, like, like we talk about coaching and and you know in game. It's hard to pinpoint stuff on Judge because he doesn't call plays offensively, really defensively. Like this is something I could pinpoint on Judge. It's like, what is this dude? Like you couldn't rotate Isaiah Wilson. Yeah, in? I was just. Now, about and to I'm say. not campaigning for Isaiah Wilson to play. By the way, I I don't like it. It, it very clearly appears that he's not going to like be anything, and he's he's still probably parting behind the scenes from the way everything seems. But it's like you like you dressed out Isaiah Wilson last week. Couldn't give him a, a, a rep or two. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm not actually. That's me. But if that was your like like for example like the Pharaoh Cooper kick return. <clears throat> Joe Judge is a special teams guy, but I also at the end of the day, it's like catch the kick, dude. Like you you like how how much coaching does Pharaoh Cooper need to be like? Hey, when you're the kick returner, you look at the ball. And if it's in the end zone, you can let it go. But by the way, you can still catch it in the end zone and take a kneel down. It's yeah. the same effect. But like, so it's like, it's, and Judge said in the press conference, and he's very, like, he very rarely will, will throw a player under the bus. And he didn't like throw Cooper under the bus, but he's like, that's unacceptable. That was, yeah. like, you know, so that was the one, the few, you know, that's one of the few times where judges didn't say, I need to go back and watch the tape. That's a very clear, like, like that's Farrell Cooper's fault. You know, like we shouldn't, you know, it's, there's bad coaching, and we'll talk about Judge. But like at the end of the day, it's like there's no coaching that's like, like you know what? If you think it's close, just let it go. Like I'm sure if it's anywhere near close, they want you to catch it. Um, <clears throat> so that was so stupid by fair, and that led to two points for the other. Team. Yeah, it was a that was a five point swing at the end of the half, and the Giants' end of the half struggles, you know, continue once again. I wonder if there's been any team in NFL history that hasn't scored a point in the final two minutes of the se- two minutes of the of the first half in the season they're either at 73 or 76 total points allowed but they've scored zero on offense the final i know it's gonna be it's it's insane you we're, someone has to have um that stat so coaching ball is me the running game saquon looked pretty good you know this, he was, still his best, it, this, this was his best game I know there was one play where he ran into the back of a guard, but really, even from start to finish, this was his best game since 2019. Still doesn't look like he has the... He's still not the same player, though, at the same time. Watch like him do, when he's like, going out of the Wildcat and tell me, like, that was the most Saquon, I'm just going to hit the hole with no hesitation that I've seen in him in, in a very long time. There's still... No, I agree, but there's still like four or five plays where it's like, man, I feel like old Saquon like breaks that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it just it just felt like it was there. Now he again he played well today. Twenty one carries for one hundred two yards. First game of one hundred yards. Um, Let me see what his efficiency rating was on next gen. I actually wanted to check that out. And then uh, Booker had eighteen carries for forty six yards, so two and a half yards per carry. So he very clearly um, uh, outworked outworked Booker today. So I think he's one of what's I, funny. So he he's definitely back in the total yards leader. I don't know if he's. 
I doubt he's the yards per carry leader after that one game. Saquon Barkley was the fifth most efficient running back from the weekend, according to Next Gen and their efficiency metric. It's raising that trade value. And a mat, uh, he still spent a whole... You know what's funny? It is possible to be an efficient running back and also spend a lot of time behind the line of scrimmage because Saquon Barkley spent 3.04 average time behind the line of scrimmage this week. That was the most in the NFL, yet he was the fifth most efficient running back. How do you like that? I like it. Let's go Saquon. Um, do you call Saquon a mascot, by the way? I don't think I've ever seen you say that. No, um, I understand the... The humor in it? I understand the point of there is more that Saquon Barkley does for the Giants organization, and arguably he does more for the Giants organization off the football field than on the football field, but I don't... I don't call him a mascot, no. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, where it's like, I get the humor behind it, but I just, I just don't feel right calling a grown man who is not a dick a mascot. Um, so, I, but I, I had noticed, it's like, you know, you've never, I've never seen you call him that. No. Um, it's just, yeah. So, the Giants offense, since Daniel Jones had, went out, has literally dropped 8.6 points per game. That is insane that we went from a bad offense to just, we went from 18.4 points per game to 9.8. Now, I did the Daniel Jones versus the QBs that have been in comparison last week. I'm not going to do that tweet two weeks in a row, but I'm definitely going to look it up in the morning and see what the difference is. Um, because it, it became a lot, it became even, it was unbelievably wide last week. And it's going to be a lot wider uh, this week after... Who would have thought that we were trashing Jake Fromm with his 25-yard performance and that Glennon would have less yards than him the next week? Who do you start at QB next week? I really don't care at all. Like, zero, I don't care at all. I mean, of course I don't care. I'm still starting Glennon. I don't care. I don't have a take. I don't care. Yeah, good. The only reason why I gave a take is because you asked me a question. That's true. (laughs) I, I I just don't care at all. Um, How, where are you on this? Where are you on this? I have this really growing anger and it's not directly at anybody. It's just at a situation. You know how we were really adamant about the 2020 offense being bad. And now everybody else is very adamant about the giants, 2021 offense being bad. And I don't have the same, I don't have the same emotional investment in telling stats, describing stats and, really, really digging deep as into why this offense is bad. I'm just mad and frustrated that, not that we nobody listened to us last year, because people did, but that we didn't recognize did. it more. That as a fan, we didn't recognize the how bad the 2020 offense was last year. Because let me tell you something. I don't know. I feel like we did. I think we just kind of got caught up in the excitement of being in the playoff contention. But I, yeah. think, that, I think most people understood how bad it was. I mean, everyone wanted Jason Garrett fired. There was like... No, 10%. not every. Don't say everybody. Not yeah, everybody but, wanted Jason Garrett fired. But you also, but don't let ten percent of people characterize. Like when I say everyone, I say like you know eighty to ninety percent of the fan base. Here's a world that we would probably live Joe in. Joe Judge wanted him gone. Joe Judge did want him gone. Jason Garrett is fired at the beginning of twenty at the at the beginning of the twenty twenty one season. So the off season, right? Joe Judge is able to bring in his own offense coordinator in here. And either they flourish and we have fun, or they suck 
and then there would be no doubt that Joe Judge should be fired. But instead, because of John Mara freaking meddling and everything again, we are unsure about Joe Judge. How about that reality? And you're talking and your microphone's muted. I was saying how much I hate John Mara. I wanted to talk about Andrew Thomas, but let's just get into this because um, everyone knows how much I love Andrew Thomas, but there's there's more reasons why after this game. But <clears throat> So where are you at with... Because we talked a lot about Judge this week and like Judge behind the scenes stuff. Partly because, you know, we're talking about the GM and, the, and then the Sunday report of like Judge and uh, Judge will be, be back and the GM high around him and then Adam Schefter backtracks it and you get the Paul Schwartz article. So we talked a lot about Joe Judge behind the scenes this week. And then he has his, you know, twelve-minute uh, presser today. Kind of like seemed like it was it was directed at John Mayer, not the not not the fan base. He hasn't pr- done anything to be brought back as a head coach after two years, and especially, especially so when you're also firing the GM at the same time. You know? Yeah. No. No. I think we've been like what is he, what has he done? Like we like things on the defensive side, but the defense also hasn't like been great this year it's probably been a it's been like an average to maybe above average unit when you look when you just judge it and don't look at the total you know numbers um it's just what is what has he done you know it's like what is what is joe judge adding and then i just don't want to hear about behind the scenes stuff because i don't have any faith that behind the scenes stuff is going to change even if he wants it to like here's what i have you know like we know dave gelman's gone right but yes do we think Kevin Abrams and Chris Pettit are going to be fired this offseason? Which, that is a fair question that a reporter and any of our reporter friends should be asking John Mara. That, that is, that's not a backhanded jerk question. That same idea that you just brought up, what do these guys do well? And what do they do? And the fact that it's been losing for so long... What what are these guys bringing to your organization? S- talk specifically, and you talk specifically about how these guys bring something positive to the organization. That is a fair question to John Mara. Dave Gettleman should not be the only person fired. Like he really should not be the only person fired. And I, I tweeted it out. It's like we haven't hit enough on top picks. So like round one, round two, like the, like round one, round two. The only hits picks we've totally hit on, I think, are Thomas and McKinney. Ojalari's been good, but I don't feel comfortable saying like we hit on him. He doesn't impact the play to, you know, the play the play as well. He has some good good numbers this year. He's had a very good rookie season, but I don't. I can also see like Giants fans expecting him to take a huge leap forward in the offseason, and he might not. Now he might as he might he might do it because he's one. We talked about how young he was when he was drafted, but like the only ones who I can confidently say are clear cut hits are Thomas and McKinney, and that's with. Four years worth of round one and round two picks, including some extra ones thrown in there through trades. Um, even Tony, like he can't say he's a hit. No, um, I'm throwing Aaron Robinson in there. I love him. No, you can't. And then, and then, okay, well, now let's let's talk about the scouts. Let's talk about the scouts. You know, all these scouts who want to talk shit. Rounds three through seven. Have we found one established like what a really good round three through seven player? Slayton no. is the best argument you have, and he's been a huge. A major disappointment. Julian None. Love, but he's a backup. But he's not an. Esta- I'm talking about an established like, like look at what this team got in the fourth round. Every, like a lot teams, most teams have those on their team. Yeah, you know the best teams have them all over their team. But the most teams have one or two is like someone that was picked round three through seven by by them. 
you know, not like a, we have Blake Martinez, but we sign him for agency. Drafted by them type guy. We don't have that, you know? Yeah, they may not be everywhere on a roster, but there's, you know, there are teams around the NFL. Wow, you know, uh, when was when was Fred Warner drafted? And, you know, where was this guy drafted? Fifth round, wow. So, here's what I will say. I was thinking about this while, uh, while you were talking, about scouts and whatnot. Um, when GM uh, of the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean, came in and was hired in 2017, him and assistant GM Joe Shane um, did not have a scouting department, did not have an analytics department, and they hired everybody and they established that from the ground up. What? That's what we should be doing this offseason. Not moving on from Dave Gettleman. That's what should be done this season. Like, if you... Here's, here's something. If you told me Dave Gettleman's the GM, but you're firing all those other cats... I would sign up for that more so than bringing in a new GM and then keeping everybody else the same. That is what pisses me off the, some, most, the most about this organization is we always do crap halfway. And that includes with Joe judge as well. It's like, what is it's like, well, we like what Joe judge does behind the scenes and changing things. Like, well, you don't let him change things. The dude wanted to fire his offensive coordinator. You didn't let him. Your so banner's like, coming apart. Vote. So we're, we're going to, so we're going to bring him back on. He's on the hot, hot, hot seat. What up, cuz? Um, <laughs> I'll fix that when I'm done talking. But he's on the hot seat, and and you're but you're not gonna let him fix anything. You're not gonna let him give full, him full autonomy to move on from things, guys. So that's why it's like I, that's why that's again why I've never had less hope in this franchise than right now is because it's like we we're never gonna do things the right way. Yeah, yeah, and everybody's pointing the finger at each other, you know, with the whole scout dilemma on Twitter, and people are making burner accounts and. Fake burner accounts. Let's Fake be burner accounts, but that. Steve. But I mean, Steve Verderosa. I mean, he's real. Yeah, I mean, Steven's that, real. Pat Hanlon's real. The rest of them are fake. You know, but everybody's pointing the finger at each other, and, I'm and they're all talking. Up, so don't say anything that I need to respond. How about if to. I read the ad? Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up. You know, but Steven Verderosa is real. But they're all pointing fingers at each other. But they're talking about like first and second round picks. And that's also the thing. Like, like Bobby's been saying this entire time. I want to hear about. You know, the lack of a bad process or the lack of continuity that's come, like, later in the draft. That That's what I want to hear about. So, we got to talk about DraftKings. We'll hit the final week of the pro football regular season. Yeah, you thought you were going to read the ad. Not today. We've hit the final week of the pro football regular season and college football is heading to the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. Calendar, calendar. New customers can bet just $5 on any football team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So bet on Washington. So let's wind down the season with a big win or a big loss if you're the New York Giants. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still find your way to the winner's circle. Would love to do that. Would love to not end. Actually, this season did end on loser because we're not going to do a reaction uh, pod next week. Yes, I'm celebrating at the conclusion of the game next week. I think um I think Snacks actually just put it out right now. Snacks I just and I that the season ended on loser. Snacks and I are First going time. Snacks and I are going to the Candlewick Diner after the game next week. And if you want to join us, please join us. Well, I'm going to bring that up after the ad. So let's wind down the season with a big win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still find your way to the winner's circle. Everyone can play for huge cash prize with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 on any football team, college or pro, and win $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so... I do want to talk about Judge's press and, and see if there's anything you took away from it. I want to talk about a little about the defense, Andrew Thomas, Shane Smith, and Scott Simons and friends of the show just bashing Dave Gellman, but I don't really care about that too much. Um, I do. I don't. Um, but anyways, I'll well, tell you, you why. Can I talk, care. You can tell. Yeah, you'll tell. You'll Justin will tell me wh- why, and I'll tell you why I don't. And maybe one of us will change each other's mind, but probably not. Part of me kind of wants to just fly up for Sunday night, like fly up Sunday morning. I saw there's some flights where I can get in at like eight o'clock. You pick me up from the airport. We go to the game and here's the thing. I don't feel like paying a hotel. So could I stay at one of yours or snacks, house? The Sunday I mean, night. I don't, I don't have a very comfy couch. Um, here's I can, the, I can here's the bad part. Couch. Here's the bad part. I know what you're going to bring up and this is why I don't think it'll happen. If there's news that breaks and you're going to be on a plane and that's always hectic. Yeah, that's why that's why we can't that's why I can't do it. Um and you don't like recording in person. I would just say, okay, let's just record in person somewhere. I wouldn't mind recording a person. It's just um I would hate for that episode because also shit always goes wrong when we record in person, so I kinda want just that episode because that's gonna be a big episode. I kinda just want it to be normalist schedule like let's yeah. just rock and roll when we're comfortable and let's make it good no, yeah no doubt i just want to i kind of want to go to the game and enjoy it and and it, you know people are like go to the case look and the season's over and you're t-. like okay whatever please i am getting now i kind of asked for it because i tweeted out next sunday i'm going to metlife stadium and i'm going to enjoy myself um and people are like well you're part of the problem um who cares what those people say yeah like uh, it, it really like and, and, and me choosing to enjoy myself at a football game when I already paid for the PSLs anyway. Um, well, I paid for, well, first of all, paid for the PSLs. My father paid for those uh, uh, 10, 11 years ago. So that doesn't even count. Like, and that, that's why we literally, it's not a smart financial move to give your seats away because then the PSLs that you gave your left nut down, you put, you got, you got to put down your left nut to get the PSLs anyway. So it's a bad financial move to just give away your seats anyway. Well, those, that's the type of people who think like Carl Banks is in the Twitter spaces. They're listening to us type of it's like, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> they're, they don't care at all what the fans say for the most part. Um, Judge Presser, 12 minutes long. To me, the only real thing that was super unique about it was that it was 12 minutes. But it was very clearly not meant for the fan base. Because one, you're not going to satisfy the fan base regardless of what he says. But it it seemed like him going to Sean Mara. Sean Mara. There is a Sean Mara. But John Mara. And being like, dude, you said you were going to let me do this. You said you were going to let me do this. I've changed things. I've changed things. Look at the injuries that we've had. Let Um... You know, he talked about culture and, and um, you know, we, I don't think we any, I, I mean, I don't want to hear about culture. I want to, I want to hear about winning. There's so, things and, internally that are going right. And like you said yeah. earlier. And so that, that very much seemed like a, uh, like, Hey, I, I think like, cause he's probably safe. It's not a for sure thing, but he's probably is safe. 
Um, like, I don't think he's been assured that he's safe, even though there's been report. Like, I think the media and stuff thinks he's safer than Judge thinks. And even if even if he thinks he's safe, it's still the most stressful job. It's gonna be the most stressful week of Joe Judge's life will be this week, um, regardless. Unless Joe, unless John Mayer goes to him personally and says you will not be fired, it's gonna be the most stressful week of his entire life. Um, and I think it kind of just shone through in that twelve minutes. Did you see that Kevin Abrams was leaning on the side? Dan Duggan captured that. And he's usually not at those press conferences. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of it. I think it was Duggan trolling, partially, but it's something. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think much of it. But the, from the presser, he talked about, like, golf bags in front of the lockers. I guess that was something Golden Tate had in 2019. A lot of metaphors. Yeah, it, it just... Honestly, there wasn't much to the one thing that the one thing that was like I was like big time like what was the guys who went uh, free who became uh, went to other teams through free agency and making more money or calling him and saying that they want to come back. The only two guys who really would fall into that category are Dalvin Tomlinson and Colt McCoy, and I can see those guys maybe talking to Judge and being like, "Man, wish I was still there," type thing. Um, but I don't think it was like. Oh man, I, I, I can't believe, you know, like just like saying it, you know, like if I went on, if I went and got a $10 million con, like a million dollar contract instead of the 500, you know, like, uh, or sorry, the, I won't say the exact number, but more than half a million dollar contract from John Boy, would I call Justin and, you know, and talk to him like, Hey man, I, you know, I miss, uh, you know, working with you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still would be my million dollar contract. Would it be like, I'm not, I'm not leaving that. Yeah. You know, so. The only guy that I can really see is Dalvin because Dalvin is not playing the same position that he played with the Giants. Or at least yeah. that was as of the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's that's true. And and he has a lot of friends on this team. He was on the team for four years, yeah. yeah, four years too. But everybody else besides Colt McCoy may have like a legitimate gripe as to be like, why the fuck would I want to come back there? Well, they're all making less money. You know, if Kyler Fackrell was making more money, I can see that because he got a lot of playing time. It was actually pretty decent for them. Um. But Golden, the only one that the only like bigger bigger name would be Kevin Zeitler, and we know for and a fact he, Kevin Zeitler he, is he not. He don't want to come back here. Yeah, is he is very he's much happier in Baltimore than he was here. Um, and then Colt McCoy because like okay maybe he play he'd be playing more games, but it's like he played a handful of games for Arizona and they're doing better. Um, but they were very close with Colt McCoy on the game like game planning basis when he yeah, was yeah remember team remember the whole point of like Colt McCoy was like the second offensive coordinator that, that was, was a... what made me think that Colt McCoy not offensive co- yeah it was like that Colt McCoy would be back was because like they talked about like, I just don't think they were doing that with Mike Lennon this year I hope they weren't because Mike Lennon is not a very cerebral Q- QB maybe Colt McCoy did want to come back because all that he did in that Seattle game was just hand the ball off and watch a really great defensive performance. But people act like Colt McCoy actually did something that game. Maybe, maybe I don't like maybe, the revisionist history takes on the Colt McCoy versus Mike Lennon decision, by the way. That's exactly why I said that because he did nothing that game. He did. I mean, that's he didn't do anything bad, which is for a backup quarterback. He played better in the Cleveland game. Exactly. Like way better in the Cleveland game than he did the Seattle game. Like yeah. unbelievably better. Yeah, who 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 was the you you want to know who else was part of the Giants' biggest victory last year? Levine Toilolo. Like you can make the same argument. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, Colt McCoy was part of the Giants' biggest victory last year. Yeah, Levine Toilolo was also there too. Caden Smith was there also too. Um, <laughs> you know, 
Well, that, so it's literally what the, the same hell thing. with that? We don't need any Caden Smith slander now. Let's sorry, relax on sorry. that a little bit. Sorry, it's just correlation. Um, that guy's tight end one next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I brought. I didn't put up the exact stats this week, but Colt McCoy or Mike Lynn is having career worse. You know. Yes. Like the, this idea that in during free agency that getting Glennon over McCoy. I mean, I think if you go and old takes yourself, ninety percent of us probably pre- preferred Glennon over McCoy. Like we yes. at, at, at at this time last year, if you would add your ask ask people's opinion about Colt McCoy, it'd been noodle arm. Yes. Um, the only problem is, is Mike Glennon has a you know has a nice arm. Just uh, whenever he decides to throw it more than twenty yards down the field, it stays in the air for ten seconds, and it always winds up in the hands of the other team. Yeah, he sucks. Um, <laughs> so, should I pull up the Scott Simonson Shane Smith Smith tweets on this? Yeah, let's 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 do that. I had I, someone I, message me and like D- Dave Gellman's a, like someone not just like some random, but like Dave Gellman's a douchebag. I'm being honest. I, I still probably would like to have a few beers with them. So Scott Simonson, who's friend of the show, he's been on the show before. Dave Gellman is an atrocious GM and not a good person, in my opinion. The fact that he's had this much time to not be good at his job will dis- uh, while deciding others' fates and indebting one of the most historically respected franchises is embarrassing and also a strong example of karma. So what uh, Scott's talking about is the way they handled his injury, which I think speaks more on the train. Like, like, and he cleared it. Also, to be clear, I don't think it was intentional. I was career backup and playing on a minimum salary. I wasn't an important piece of the machine, so when I got damaged, I was simply removed in place. But I'm not saying it was on purpose. Oh, another thing. It was basically they handled it. They misdiagnosed his injury. So I do think our training room probably sucks. Like Ronnie Barnes and all of them need to be another group of people that need to be replaced. Our PR people need to be replaced. Um, Being released so, on settlement of a basic injury and finding out later that they knew the extent of it. All things he played a role in. And that's Scott's perspective. That he played a role in knowing that his ankle injury was more severe than what they initially let on. That's what he's implying. And then Shane Smith said 100% agree. But as much as Shane Smith was the ever the first Giants player to befriend him, me, and I I like him, he also gave up two sacks on four plays in week two versus Dallas in 2018. And that's when he got cut by Dave Gettleman. But here's why I think it matters, at least what Scott Simonson's saying. What Simonson has, has a lot of weight because of the injury and stuff. Yeah. What Shane Smith says, it's like... I mean, I'd be well, mad right, and I that's why I'm saying too. at least, at least with what Simonson's saying. That's why I, I said that. So, what did the Giants do with Kyle Rudolph this summer? Had an injury. Yeah. Was more severe than they thought, and again, I guess the medical team didn't do their research. And then they're like, you know what? We're going to be the classy organization. And we're still going to keep that contract the same, the same way. And they, they literally put themselves on like a high horse. They were like, we're going to be the giant. And Dave, Dave Gettleman said, we're going we to be the giants and we're going to do things with class. But then for a player who gets, and that was a player who's getting tens of millions of dollars, but for a player who's getting what? Probably $900,000 like league minimum. You're going to, you're going to screw them over like that and be scummy yeah. that way. That's where I have the problem with it. I agree. That's okay. So I said we couldn't want to change each other's minds. You changed my mind. I agree with you 100. Yeah, because you want to be high horse and you want to put yourself on that pedestal, but then for the lowest guy on the roster, you're going to do that. No, f you. And Scott Simonson's a part of history. He caught the Alex Tanny pass. And look at Danny King in the chat. Never slander the sheriff again. Shut <laughs> up, Danny. 
Um, was, was Simonson a part of Eli's history in some way where he caught one of his final touchdown he, he passes? Caught a, he caught a touchdown versus the Colts, so it wasn't one of okay. the final. It, was, it wasn't even the final year, but he caught a touchdown. Okay. But he grew up a, He also grew up a Giants fan. He like, left that's why a we had him on the sh- That's why we had him on the show is because he grew up watching Eli and got to catch a touchdown from Eli and caught, he caught the first pass after Eli's last play as a New York Giant. How about that? Yeah, he um he left what he did leave a voicemail on our thank you Eli episode, right? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Um and Shane awesome. Smith I've interviewed cool. a couple times. Simple Man Radio. Someone radio. Um Andrew Thomas gave up a sack to Robert Quinn, who's like second in the league for sack, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Also, Mike Lennon should have stepped up, but regardless, he did give up a sack. Six other times, and I can't wait to clip this, and I'm going to clip the first sack. I'm like, look, he gave a sack, and let's watch these other six plays with Robert Quinn. In pass protection, he had Robert, he, he put Robert Quinn on the ground. Which is Where dumping, Robert right? Quinn was going for the sack record. So every single snap, Robert Quinn wasn't playing contain, he wasn't playing the run. He goes, I want to get off the ball, and I want to dip around this edge as quickly and as low as possible, and I want to break the sack record. 17 and, sacks. And Andrew Thomas was like, fine, dude. I'll let you work that momentum, and I'll put your ass in the ground. I mean, he put him in the ground six times in pass protection. And let's not forget, they had 15 dropbacks. They had 15 dropbacks six times. Andrew Thomas put Robert Quinn, who was either second or first in the league in sacks, on the ground. Like, he is hes an awesome player. I love him. Um, yep. I want to get Andrew Thomas on the show this offseason. We'll see. Um, But I want that. First question, should I ask him to ask me uh, what my birthday is? That, nah, maybe that should be the last question. Third. Because if it's a, if it's like he doesn't really get it, then it gets off to a weird weird start, start of the show thing. That's true. But some people say it's better to do that stuff at the beginning and you lighten the mood up for the interview. And- well, yeah, but that's that's the gamble and that's the risk that you played. Like, for example, if you were to ask Darnay Holmes the CD's nuts jokes about the CD Lamb thing. That's that's kind of like a little raunchy, too. Like, if or not you, raunchy, vulgar. If you asked him that at the start of the show, it would have been even more of an awkward interview than it already was. But people did enjoy it. That's a vulgar question compared to like a, hey, we have the same birthday question. That is true. You know. Like, that's very much like, okay, what did I just... The the birthday question is like, okay, this is a corny question. The CD's nuts is like, okay, why did I agree to do this interview type question? Good. Yeah, that's a good difference. Good uh, good, good uh, distinction. Do we need to do the whole spiel about why not firing Gettleman immediately is stu- extremely stupid by John Mayer? Or do we, we've basically got, all, got it at this point, right? No, it's the difference between the Giants have been informally... Like behind the scenes talking with GM candidates versus they could actually talk to them. That's the difference. Idiots. Um, no, no reason to not. Just like literally no reason. Besides, Mayor wanting to be nice to Gettleman. Yeah, it is gonna be. It is gonna be screwed up. That it does feel like Tom Coughlin got a worse treatment and a worse kick out the door than Dave Gettleman is getting. And if you think about it, like it was. Less time of being bad than Gettleman as well. Um, the 2015 team, I, for the life of me, you want to talk about a well-coached team that fought to the end. Now, they choked games, but a, a bad, dog-crap bad roster that fought every single game and was in every single game. 
that 2015 roster with the, uh, a bad offensive line and a 10 times worse defense than what we have right now. And Tom Coughlin was fired after that year. And it was very clear that he was pushed out the door. Whereas Dave Gellman feels like he's getting the red carpet rolled out for him as he's going to go not... Uh, by the way, I got a tip. Can that I, press can conference I give a is going to be so confusing. Because can I give a tip? Very important tip. You know how the joke has been Dave Gettleman says he wants to retire to Cape Cod and go on vacation there? He will not be vacationing at Cape Cod this summer. He will be vacationing in Greece. And I have that on very, very good authority. You didn't share that with me. But I'm a, I'm a news that press now. conference is going to be so fascinating to see how they... Is he retiring or is he fired? <laughs> I don't think there is going to be a press conference. Can I be honest? I think they're just what going to be a statement. What do you mean? There's not. John Mayer talks at the end of every season. But I don't think Dave Gettleman is going to talk. No, I know that, but I'm saying oh, okay. well, John Mayer is. John, yeah, Dave Gettleman. I, well, um, there's no way they can have Dave. There's just... There, it, it just uh, I, I want to see it. I would want to see it, too, for the future <laughs> of it, but I would be blown away. Here's the, <laughs> here's the only argument for it, is you don't want to do that to the head coach and have him, you know... Having to deal with the GM being fired with one week left, and but at the same time, it's like, well, there's one week, one week left. Deal with it. We're doing what's best for the franchise. If you can't handle this, then you're not the head coach, type thing. Um, and if a player qu- if a player quits and throws a fit this week, then honestly, it's not the worst thing in the world. They just revealed themselves. All right, you got it. Oh, here he goes. Let me see. Let's count how many sneezes. I think we're approaching eight, nine. I think I got nine there. I didn't really start it from the beginning. I think I got nine sneezes there. I have two things on the defense. They gave up 249 total yards. That's a great sure. performance defensively. The Bears ran the ball for 87 yards on 3.2 yards per carry. That's a great run defense. Yes. The Bears only completed 50% of their passes for 4.5 yards per attempt and had two interceptions. That's great pass defense. And the other team scored 29 total points. This we game. had two interceptions? James Bradbury and Tate Crowder. I did not. I was watching the Jets game, apparently, I think. Lorenzo Carter had another sack. That, that means four sacks point. in three games. That means he's getting a one-year, $4 million deal. One year, That's too much. Four, four sacks in the last three games. Four tackles for a loss. That's too much. Minimum four QB hits and two forced fumbles. I rescinded the one-year, one-million-dollar uh, deal on Friday show. I'm now putting it back on the table and being like, "Hey, Quincy Roche, you need to earn your spot on this or on this team. You haven't yeah. earned it. You need to. So you need to come into camp, and we're not going to guarantee the one million dollar for Lorenzo Carter. So I'm I am putting it back with it, maybe like about half of it being guaranteed. I'm putting the Lorenzo Carter deal back on the table. He, you can make an argument Lorenzo Carter has been the best player in the NFL. Did you see that? play where yeah. he screamed down the line of scrimmage and had that tackle for loss. Now, I understand he was unblocked, but he was moving. Yeah, and that was he, a good play. Did he hit? It was hey, like, whoa. You can make the argument that coming off the Achilles, he's getting back to himself, you know? And if you yeah. looked at it before last year, it's like, he looks like a pretty good player right now. So, he's never going to be... He's tough. He, he's never going to be like a dude on your team. But a backup, yeah. So that's why I'm putting the one-year, $1 million deal back on the table. That's also why I want to draft an edge early, because I feel like Lorenzo Carter drafted in the third round. It's like, yeah, that's kind of expected. If this guy can get on a second deal and 
just be a, a good a, a quality football player for you, then that's the expectation. And that's what I it's so edge is the position that I feel like most relies on maybe outside of quarter with quarterback. Edge is the position that really relies on first round talent. That's why I want to take an edge. But Justin, I could bring up some guys who weren't picked in the first round, and you'll look like an idiot. Yeah, that is true. Same thing with quarterback. Russell Wilson. Literally every position. Tom Brady. You know Tom Brady and Dak Prescott weren't taken in the first round. My favorite last year was people who were like, I want this wide receiver. You can get these positions later in the draft. It's like, you know, wide receiver is probably the most successfully drafted position outside the first round. If anything, it's almost more successful outside the first round. But anyways, this isn't. we're not doing draft stuff. No, I just wanted to go on the tangent. Um, so let's, you ready to end this? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Two more episodes after this for the season. We will do a Wednesday mailbag, even though I kind of don't want to do it, but you know what? We'll do it and we'll make it damn good. And then Friday's preview. Oh, speaking of which Friday's preview, I have an update. Friday's preview is going to be more of a, let's finish off the segments and maybe a little, uh, Thank you, and maybe we'll ask you guys for reviews because we only got to do it one time where it made sense <laughs> to get the most because this is that's how bad the season has been. Um, let me pull up the Talking Giants page. This is what I'm really paying attention to. And in fact, I'm going to do quarter-by-quarter quarter updates next week on the Talking Giants page. Wow. There has been a, le- a change in the league going into the final week of the fantasy draft. You are 26 points back. So you can win it. You know, you would need a very strong outing. Yep. But you can win it. Danny King overtook the lead, and he is up four points. So four points is a decent enough difference where he can outscore me next week and win. But essentially, whoever outscores the other person next week is most like, is going to win next week. So, um, I mean, I'm going to do so much freaking research for that. I am going to get that one right. And I love that Saquon had his best game today, and, and he only got 10 points out of him. So, fuck <laughs> it. Um, no catches for Saquon today. All right. That's, um, I guess the Saints game was probably technically his best game when you're not just looking at total yards. Fantasy-wise, it was his best game. Yeah. Well, f- it had to be because he had two touchdowns be- scored that game. Oh, the Saints game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back Wednesday. Maybe we'll get some breaking news and we'll be back Tuesday or something, but we probably won't. So until then, enjoy life, and let's go Big Blue.